a listener production. Why are you laughing already? I haven't done it. What's funny? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know I just get the giggle sometimes. Okay. <clears throat> Take it away, my dulcet toned Adonis. Hello, Gistners. Welcome back for another episode of Just the Gist, a weekly-ish podcast in which Rosie Waterland and I give you just the gist of what you need to know about a story we think you'll find fascinating enough to discuss at a dinner party. Mm-hmm. Rosie, mm. welcome back. Thank you so much. How does it feel? Back in the swing. Yeah, week Feeling two. Good. I know. Mm. Uh, it feels good. Loving it. Um, you know, making sure there's not a take four. Mm, round four. <laughs> round four. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're done. We're done with that. Mm. Smooth sailing. 2023. Yeah, right? Vibe shift. Touchwood, vibe shift, mm-hmm. etc. Mental health and butt health all round. Mm-hmm. I say. All resolved and left in the trilogy that was 2020, 21, 22. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, this week, you got a little something, something for me. I sure do. It feels odd to just be jumping straight into a story without any breaking news, without any prelude chit chat. We're just getting straight down to business. I know. It's weird because we just want to like blah, blah, mm. blah. And, but mm. then half the people are like, shut up. So we're like, okay, we'll do that in another. <laughs> we'll isolate it. We'll isolate it for you. Yeah. Hopefully you guys are all aware by now we are doing Breaking News as its own separate episode. Mm-hmm. And these are now strictly our story, story episodes. Apps. So we better get used to just jumping straight in. Mm-hmm. I've got the story this week. Yes. Um, and this is one. Saddle. I know this. I know what you're doing this week. Mm. And I know because this is probably the only story that Caleb will be interested in listening to on the podcast ever. Because this is one that he wanted you to do. And I was keen to do it with him, <laughs> but he already knew more about the story, the story than I did. You, yeah. So it just wasn't going to work. So I've but been saving it. he might listen to the podcast this week. <laughs> There's a first time for everything. First time for everything. Oh, no, he listened when he was on, of course. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that really counts, to be honest. Though. Okay, um, yes. <laughs> I am serving a scandalous story about horse racing this week. <laughs> Giddy up, hence the interest that would come from Caleb. This is just the gist of a time a bunch of drunk Aussie larrikins tried to quietly rig a horse race mm-hmm. and just win a few million bucks on the sly, but instead they made a complete mess. They won nothing, they got caught, and they became a global laughing stock. This is just the gist of the fine cotton affair. The fine cotton affair. Mm-hmm. So... All I know about this is uh, one night in Adelaide, uh, a bunch of Caleb's older journo friends mm-hmm. um, who are also into horse racing very were like, have I got a story for your podcast? <laughs> Everyone always tells you they've got a story for the pod. And they went on to tell me very drunkenly mm-hmm. the story of the fine cotton affair. So I don't think I really got, a quality retelling of the tales. <laughs> so I'm very much looking forward to getting just the gist yes. of this. Look, as close to the facts as I can possibly <laughs> get it because, yes, this story has been told by mm. so many drunken larrikins mm-hmm, in so many mm-hmm. bars over the years. It's evolved and it's morphed. Um, we are going to kick off in Brisbane in 1982. Oh. Lovely. A guy called John the Phantom Gillespie was in Boggo Road Jail. Boggo Road. Boggo Road, There's yes. a jail called Boggo Road Jail. <laughs> and it is now a tourist destination. Oh, They've shut it down as go. a prison. <laughs> Next time we're in town, I really genuinely want to go and do a tour of it. Yes. Mm. And don't you think if you go to jail, you want to go to Boggo Road? <laughs> Where else would you want to be? I'm headed to the bog, ma. <laughs> I got busted. I'm headed to the bog. I love it. The bog was the peak prison in Queensland wow, at the time. Okay, yeah. Um, this was nothing novel for John the Phantom Gillespie. He really tried to brand himself as yeah, the was, Phantom or the Fan. I was about to ask, is that self-administered mm-hmm. nickname? Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, some yeah. people went with it. <laughs> yeah. 
I probably won't throughout mm-hmm. this story. We'll see. Um, yeah, he'd served quite a few stints in various prisons throughout his life. He was kind of a career criminal. Mm-hmm. Only really did quite petty stuff. It wasn't like murders or mm. arsons or whatever. He was really just doing counterfeiting scams, writing fraudulent checks, selling yeah. fake passports, that sort of thing. The Phantom probably knew very well that odds were this stint in jail would not be his last because mm-hmm. he was already planning his next crime mm-hmm. while he was in there behind bars. The reason he was there in jail in 1982 was because he'd tried to pull what's called a ring-in. And, of course, he got caught. Do you know what a ring-in is? No, what's a ring-in? Pretty simple concept. You take an underperforming horse with quite a bad track record and therefore high betting odds. Yep. Call that horse A. Mm -hmm. And then in a race, you switch it out with a lookalike, a ring-in, horse B. So horse B races under horse A's name with horse A's odds. Ideally, it wins the race. They they win, yeah. Yeah. Um, And ideally, they don't get caught with the switcheroo. Yeah. And then everyone who knows about the ring-in in advance has, of course, placed bets, big bets, and they get a really, really big payout because the odds were so high. That seems really logistically difficult. Like, you need to find a horse that looks exactly the same Mm -hmm. because racing people know weird stuff. I've been to the races with Caleb and, like, for the free drinks. Mm-hmm. And um, these people know things about the horses. Mm-hmm. And you have to find a horse that looks exactly the same and it has to be a good horse. So it's like if that horse was good, wouldn't they just be racing themselves? Like it feels like a lot goes into that. Yes. One factor you're not considering is there's different classes, different grades that horses race in. Yeah. So if they're sort of mediocre or not good at all, Mm -hmm. then they'll be in obviously the lower grades. If they're already known to be fast, then they'll be in the faster grades. Oh, take one of the fast ones and and put it down there. So it's already a racing horse. I'm on board, I understand. That's right, yeah. But you are correct. It is pretty tricky to, yeah, and horses are branded. A lot of them have unique markings as well. Um, There's records kept of their weight. So there are certainly complexities, but it has happened successfully Thousands and thousands of times. Well, it's got a name. It's the ring-in. Exactly. So it must be a thing. It has been going on since horse racing has yeah. existed, okay. basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, John the Phantom Gillespie, mm-hmm. <laughs> he got caught pulling this ring-in in 1982. And not only did he get caught, his ring-in didn't even win its race. So <laughs> it was a flop in all directions. Whoops. And he had a really strong desire to put that right and to try again and mm-hmm. prove to the criminal underworld that he could pull off yeah. a ring-in successfully. As soon as he got out, he really wanted to try a do-over and this time his ring-in would win the race and he wouldn't get caught. Conveniently, he met a bloke there in jail called Pat Haitana, who happened to be a jockey, Mm. and whose brother, Hayden Haitana, happened to be a racehorse trainer. Oh, wow, in jail. Very convenient. That's convenient. Mm, And they were kite, what did you call it? Kite running, kite flying? Check kiters. Yeah. Kite flying. (laughs) Check, well, I didn't even, yeah, check kiters. Passing fraudulent checks. Yeah, the check thing. So now we'll flash forward to 1984. Yeah. John the Phantom Gillespie assembled Hayden Haitana, the trainer, Uh and a handful of other blokes as a team who were going to work together to pull off what started out as what they thought was a very simple plan. Mm -hmm. Some of the crew had criminal records. Others were very new to the game. But the thing that united all of them was that they were all massive piss heads. So throughout this entire story, I just want (laughs) you to picture... (laughs) By everyone's <laughs> accounts, they were drunk at every step of the way. So just picture them with a tinny or a stubby mm-hmm. in their hands so, as I describe all this. So this is basically like a Aussie bogan pisshead Ocean's Eleven. Yes, precisely. <laughs> Love it. Set, of course, in Queensland. Yeah. <laughs> so to begin with, John Gillespie bought a pretty decent racehorse called Dashing Solitaire. Mm-hmm. And he was going to play the part of the ring-in, mm. replacing the slower horse once John could find one. Oh, so they got a freshie. Yes. Okay. They got a, a, a good guy one first, yeah. and then they had to find a lookalike yeah. for him. Took a couple of months, but eventually John found um, a horse that looked very, very similar mm. to Dashing Solitaire mm-hmm. called Fine Cotton. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Fine Cotton also happened to be a pretty rubbish racer. 
So he really just couldn't be better for the job. He fit the brief. Uh, Gillespie bought fine cotton for a very low price Mm -hmm. and got Hayden Haitana to start training him to be fast enough to qualify to enter the crap races, but definitely not fast enough to win Mm. any of them. And the more he loses the higher the odds get. That's right. Yeah. And for that reason, they raced him again and again and again. Over the course of a month, they raced him an inhumane number of times. Yeah. Like, they really wore him out, which mm. was very cruel. Yeah. But intentional on their part because the more tired he got, the slower the worse. he got. And the odds kept getting worse and worse. Yeah. Can I say that it took me a really long time to understand the concept of odds? Mm-hmm. Like, I would see it in sport and stuff and not get it. And I finally probably about a decade ago, actually, started to understand it because um, all the betting agencies did odds on, like, The Bachelor. And then finally I was like, <laughs> they started speaking oh, your language. that girl is clearly not going to win. So betting on her means you'll get more money because it's a higher risk. Mm-hmm. And the one who's obviously going to win gets the lowest prize money because it's like, well, you knew she was going to win. That's right. And then I was like, I get it. Mm-hmm. I get betting. Mm-hmm. Just needs to talk your language. And hopefully this makes sense to all of you out yeah. there because it's kind of one of the critical components of this story. I think we're, I think we're following. When you're doing a yeah. ring-in, you want the odds to be nice and high, high. so the payout's nice and high. Yeah, and yep. the, shitter, the shitter, the chance the person will win or the horse will win, the higher money. That's odds. right. Yes. So, Fine Cotton had very high odds Mm -hmm. and they were getting higher as the big day, August 11th, approached when the switcheroo with Dashing Solterre was going to happen. But Mm. then, uh uh-oh, just a few days before the big race, Dashing Solterre did himself quite the mischief. He ran into some barbed wire. Oh, no. And he gashed himself up really badly on his front and on his back. There was just no way he was going to be able to race on the 11th. Yeah. They were screwed, but a few members of Gillespie's (laughs) Bogan Ocean's 11 team (laughs) were actually quite relieved because it seemed like the plan was going to be cancelled or postponed indefinitely. They were starting to get pretty nervous about their chances of pulling this off without getting caught because they realised as they were going along that it was looking pretty sus. Like they'd suddenly pulled Fine Cotton out of retirement and he was a fairly old horse Mm. by that point. They raced him an unusually high number of times Mm -hmm. in the space of a month and then suddenly he was just going to go from last place to first place overnight at a time when he should have been exhausted after running all those races. Like eyebrows were going to be raised. So they were getting... Cold feet. They were getting cold feet, and when Dashing Solter hurt himself, they sort of they had like, an exaggerated Phew. version of what we feel when someone cancels plans yes. that we'd committed uh. to, but then when the day comes, we really don't want to follow through. And just as you're thinking, I'm going to have to send an awkward message, you get the message oh, cancelling. Is there, is there anything better other than an orgasm than mm. that feeling? <laughs> It is mwah, 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 so good. I want to say my friend Kate Lever did this the last couple of days. She's from England. Hi, Kate. And, um, hi, Kate. And um, we were meant to meet up for lunch and then um, it, it had to get cancelled for some reason. And then the next day I was like, I'm so tired, but she's going back to England. Mm. And so this is like one of those ones where she's going back to England. You got it. I got to do it. Muscle up. And then... I got the message and you know how just the part of the message comes up on your screen? Like, mm. and it just said, Rosie, I'm so sorry to do this. And I was like, <laughs> and she was so apologetic. And I was just like, oh, babe, I love you. And it's fine. This is the greatest gift you could and have given Yes, me. this yeah. is truly <laughs> maybe even better than seeing yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> no, kidding, Kate, kidding. I miss you. I miss you. <laughs> but we can all relate to that. Feeling. We all get it. Yes. Yeah. And these guys had an elevated yes. version of that. They felt like they were maybe off the hook. Mm-hmm. But John Gillespie wasn't willing to give up. He threatened everyone on the team that his bosses up the chain would have at least one of them executed if they didn't deliver on what they'd committed to doing. Is he lying? There's no bosses? or is There he... were bosses. Oh, there were bosses. Yes. Oh, yeah. I thought Fanto was just... 
doing this on his own. A lot of people did for a long oh. time. They thought that he was just sort of blowing smoke and manipulating yeah. these guys. Even some of these guys thought, oh, maybe he is manipulating us. But a few people had been murdered in connection to Jesus. horse race rigging in years <laughs> really? prior. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, and also, yeah, he was working for people who owed other people a whole lot of money and they were desperate to get their hands on a big payout and they were not willing to give up on this scheme. The stakes in this are way higher than, like, what I thought 30 seconds mm, ago. Yeah. <laughs> That's, people are dying. Yeah. This is a very, very funny story, but yes, oh my genuinely, God. lives were at risk oh, if they yikes. didn't go through with this plot. Okay, so high stakes. Yeah. Weezers. Yeah, so the choices that people are making here, they're drunk and they're under duress. Mm-hmm. Pretty intense duress. Yeah. Um, he did remind them, though, on the upside, there was a chance that they could win more than $1.5 million. And mm. this is 1984. That's the equivalent to about $6 million today. So split between them, that's yeah, a lot a of money. Yeah, it's a very good decent payout. Chunk. So he was like, we are going ahead. We're going to shift the plan out by a week just mm-hmm. to give me enough time to find another horse. And once again, I have to reiterate, if you back out, you will suffer. Your families will suffer. So you better stay on oh board God. no matter what. But how can you find another horse in a week, I guess that's the point of the story. The okay, thing. keep going. <laughs> He's got to find a decent racer. Identical. That was for sale, that was within like a few hours drive yes. of Brisbane. And yes, looked as close as possible to fine cotton. He wasn't going to be able to find no. something that ticked all those boxes. So he just settled for buying any decent racer that he knew was on the market. And that's when he found a horse called Bold Personality. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Why did that make me laugh? Oh, I that was a know. Freudian slip. I don't know. <laughs> he decided he was going to purchase bold personality mm. using a fraudulent check, of course, and he sent one of his boys down a few hours south to Ballina, home of the big prawn, to pick up the horse and bring it up to Brizzy. <laughs> and he didn't really think it through. He took down the horse float on the back of a Toyota Corolla. Oh, no. A Corolla couldn't even plug me. <laughs> <laughs> Ballina to Brisbane is not a short drive. I mean, it's not a super long drive, but it's not a short drive. What is it, a couple hours? Three, four hours if you're going at a decent speed. And in a Corolla towing a horse, it's yeah, (laughs) probably a full day's journey. God, a Corolla. So when the horse arrived, two things were very obvious and deeply concerning. Firstly, bold personality looked absolutely nothing like <gasps> fine cotton whatsoever. In what sense? Different colour, <laughs> different size, different markings. It may as well have been a giraffe. Colour is the one thing you need to match. <laughs> Colour's it. I would be like, it could be a different size as long as they're both brown. Mm. Like, colour is the is the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was his... It's like I'm asking you like you were inside his brain. (laughs) But what was his criteria for... He thinks he can solve this problem, and we will get to that in a second. But the more urgent thing that they needed to address was the second thing they could tell as soon Mm. as they opened up the horse float, which was that bold personality was very close to death. (gasps) Because the dickhead who'd gone down to pick him up had covered him in a very heavy winter blanket on a warm, sunny day. Queensland. And then they'd spent all that time going very slowly on the freeway. So In the hot, hot sun, in the metal float. float. It became an (gasps) oven. And so the horse was completely dehydrated and basically just in a trance, dead on its feet, organs on the verge of failing completely. Thankfully, Hayden Haidana knew what to do. He acted quickly and tried to revive the horse. Uh-huh. He lubed up a few metres of garden hose with was, some Vaseline. I was not expecting mm-hmm. that sentence. And it's all right, it went in the front end. Um, oh. But <laughs> okay. slid it down the horse's nostril into its throat and then down into what he hoped was the stomach and not the lungs, <gasps> but it was really, really hard for him to yeah, tell. Yeah, how would he know? He turned the hose on and luckily he didn't F that up. The water went into the horse's stomach. It didn't drown the horse. And then the horse was rehydrated and revived relatively quickly. Uh, uh, my face. is. <laughs> I'm, my face. Mm. I'm, I'm speechless and horrified. Yeah. They call this flushing or drenching. 
when a horse is super dehydrated, it's like it's reluctant to drink and it actually can't even drink enough. Yes, And so they dehydrated. have to just pump water into its stomach. Why not just thing. give it an IV? Like, that's what we do for they people. They did not have that on hand. Oh, right. This is a rinky-dink operation. They literally just went and stole a hose from someone's front yard and got mm-hmm. some lube and went to town. Yep. Right now they're back at their cheap, crappy stables <laughs> where they've got barbed wire fences, which you should not have for racing horses in well, the first that's place. What that's why Dashing Solterre got yeah shredded. Uh, yes. How are they sunken cost fallacy and we're going to murder your kids? Like mm. they're, they're just ploughing, like nothing's working here. Mm. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's a recipe for disaster. Oh, and yes. they can see it bit by bit, yeah. but at the same time, they're still sort of thinking, maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe we can make it work. Just get it, it done. Just get it and done. And it's really John Gillespie, the phantom, that's but it's the one a going, different... we have to keep going. It's a different colour. <laughs> for now. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. I love this. Let's this see. Like, what happened? This is like 10-year-olds mm. are, are covering their tracks. Okay. There are a lot of 10-year-olds who are smarter than these yeah. chaps. Oh, really yeah. Really and truly. Mm-hmm. So once Bold Personality was revived, rehydrated, they were able to take the hose out of its nose. Mm-hmm. They didn't do that carefully enough as they pulled the no. hose out. It nicked a blood vessel. <gasps> no. So he started gushing no. blood and that all really over the hurt. place. Yes, would have stung. And also it was a risk because the blood wasn't slowing down that he was going to oh, now shit. bleed out. And all they could think to do was go, well, when a person has a nosebleed, you get them to tilt their head back. <laughs> until the bleeding stops. And just put a tissue. Yeah. So how do we force the horse to do that? They just wrapped rope around its head, and tied it, it to the roof, oh and then just God. left in there for a few hours until the bleeding had finally stopped. It's like it feels like such a comedy of errors that it should be funny, mm. but you can't, It, but it's, awful because you like it's so cruel yeah this bit is yeah Yeah. like i oh Mm. i mean they're acting in the best interest of the horse right now they've done something very very stupid twice each time they've done something to try to correct it it's Mm. just been really horrible for the horse to go through and the thing is there is a rule in place that when a horse has a nosebleed it is banned from racing for at least three months why uh, because it's really, really damaging for yeah, them. They can lose well. quite a lot yeah, of blood. Okay. So it's just a blanket rule. It's yeah. a global rule. That's part of why these guys didn't want anyone to know that they'd been horse bleed because then they wouldn't be able to enter this horse into a race. <laughs> it's not even the horse that it, like, it's just that's it's the a ring least for of a your ring problems. Yes, yes. It's so bizarre. Oh, my God, I can't believe this. Anyway, he stopped bleeding. They untied him. He'd survived being desiccated and <gasps> he'd survived almost oh, being bold. unintentionally drowned and he'd nearly bled out, but he was alive. The Phantoms team had a horse that might be able to run that race on the 18th of August. But there was that big problem that Bold Personality still looked nothing like the horse he was meant to be impersonating. Do you know, you said they're different Mm. colours. Do you know what colours? So fine cotton was like a dark chocolate brown all over. And when I say dark, I mean almost like Vegemite dark. Yeah. With white markings on his feet that looked like he was wearing white socks. Little socks. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Bold Personality, they called him Percy or Mm -hmm. Purse. Do you... Whenever you say bold personality, I just, it reminds me of like someone at the, like the most annoying cast member on a Real Housewives (laughs) franchise and her catchphrase at the start is like, I'm Llewellyn and I've got a bold personality, which basically means she's a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or on Drag Race when they come on and they're like, I've got a really, really big personality and you're like, oh my God, God, you're going to go home before episode three because you're just (laughs) going to annoy everyone. You'll cause some drama to begin with, but then everyone's just going to be done with you. Yes. Yes. Okay, so what does bold personality look like? Bold personality, classic bay. So light brown colour with a black mane, black tail, black socks. Totally different. Totally different, yes. How do you change... How do you make black socks white socks? Mm. <laughs> oh, no. Are we whipping out the light and, e- uh, light and what's it called? Nice and easy. Nice and 103. easy. 103. Is that what we're doing? Close oh, enough. my God. Okay, okay, okay. Let's keep going. John Gillespie had seen ads on TV for Clairol at home hair dye. 
which promise to be easy to use and oh so natural. They're lying to you. He's a man. He doesn't know they're lying. They're lying. He fell for it. Don't ever do it. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. He figured they could just give the horse an at-home makeover. With how many boxes? As many as he could get. He went to just about every pharmacy in Brisbane and he stocked up on two, three, four boxes of the same colour, whatever they had in stock. Not enough. Not enough. He managed to get dozens. Okay. And each time he thought it was important that he tell his cover story to the shop assistants and tell them, oh, the missus and I are going away for a long holiday and she's asked me to stock up. (laughs) (laughs) They're kind of like, I don't care. Dude, I'm making minimum wage. I don't care. Take as many as you want. He got back to their little rinky-dink base of operations Mm. with his haul and talked the team through the instructions on the box. Keep in mind, they're all drunk. They all still, though, despite their Mm -hmm. inebriety, inebriety, whatever. Inebriety, inebriety, yeah. They still thought this was a pretty dumb idea and that they should really just shut this down, but... It was easier to just go ahead and comply. They put all the dye into buckets. They put on plastic gloves oh and used God. sponges. Yeah, to I was going to ask, did he do it like bottle by bottle with the tiny nozzle? <laughs> like this bit and then this bit. No, okay, so they put it into buckets. They did, yes. And, and sponges. Then just sponged it Sponges all over the will horse. soak up all the dye. Oh, men are idiots. <laughs> Why are men? They wasted a lot of product, yeah. yes. Um. As they went, they were getting steadily more and more pissed while they were playing salon with this horse. Oh, my God. And that meant they started to sort of loosen up and they could see the humour in what they were doing uh-huh. and they started making some jokes and then they started to believe that they could actually pull this off. So they started to feel this sense of Get elation. Really they were going to make a stack of money the next day. But, but, but what's crazy to me about this is If it was a sure thing, Mm. like if doing all that horrible stuff to the horse, then dyeing the horse with nice and easy, if doing all of this was like you are guaranteed a million dollars, I'd be like, okay, but they don't even know if he'll win. Yeah. They don't even know if he'll win. In fact, the chances are not great right now because he's He's been been dehydrated, he's bled out, and now he's going through the experience of being Died oh with my human God. hair dyed. Yeah. Anyway, they're still on this sort of high of excitement. We're going to win so much yeah. money. They left the dye to set in the horse's hair and then passed out Mm-mm. and spent the night dreaming about all the cash they were going to collect the next day. Then, when they came to the next morning with cracking hangovers, mm-hmm. those dreams were shattered the second they laid eyes on poor, bold personality. Mm. Instead of the hair dye turning him the deep, chocolatey brunette that the box had Stop promised. What? I've been through this, so I know. I know it's not good. <laughs> it had turned his coat a vivid orangey red, <laughs> no, like fluorescent orangey Red, yes. They'd screwed up a step in the application method with the dye, of course, because fished. And also, unsurprisingly, turns out horse hair doesn't react to at-home hair dye the same way human hair does. So Percy's hair looked nothing like the lady on the Clairol box. It never does. I I could have told them. Mm. You never will look like the lady on the box. (laughs) been through this many times. I would love so much to see a photo of this, but sadly no one whipped out a camera. We've only got their testimony to go from. Some of them said it was like the colour of tomato sauce. Some say it was the colour of like a stop sign. Others say it was more towards like the witch's hat, tangerine. They made him a ranger. Of the spectrum. Yes. Like my first boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Made him a ranger. Regardless of what the shade was. It was red. By all accounts, it was very conspicuous. (laughs) Oh, no. Very eye-catching and completely unnatural. You don't find this in a horse anywhere in the world. But also, and this might be coming, but what were they going to do about the socks? There's other details. Yeah, they were planning to bleach the feet, but they passed out before they got to that part. They were going to bleach. But bleach doesn't turn something white. It turns it... Bright yellow, like they don't. You know they this? They don't understand. They, that. Were oh, they needed a woman. Mm-hmm. 
even yeah, when yes you always need if a woman would have solved all of this of course yeah. always now this still wasn't enough to convince Gillespie to call the plan <laughs> The horse was meant to be racing that very day. Yeah, I was going to say, is it that? It's yes, the race day. It's race right. day. And <gasps> so they loaded bold personality and the chocolate brown fine cotton, fine cotton onto the float side by side and sped off to the home of another member of the team called Robert North mm-hmm. while they tried to figure out how they were going to somehow <laughs> pivot. I can't. They got to Robert North's place. He lived in a very affluent suburb uh-huh. in Brisbane. Robert hadn't yet seen bold personality Mm -hmm. either before or after his makeover and he walked outside to see this radioactive (laughs) looking horse standing on his front lawn. Didn't quite know how to react. Went through an emotional roller coaster. Once he calmed down a bit, he asked what had happened when they tried washing the dye out and they all sort of looked at each other and went, oh... Hadn't given that a crack. <laughs> no, yet, no, actually, no. <laughs> too oh, slosh to even think of that no. idea. So he was like, "Oh, fuck's sake!" Okay, I'll get the shampoo. One bottle. Yeah, just one bottle of uh, what do you call it? Fructus. Clairol herbal essences. Yeah, Clairol herbal essences. Gives you an Pantene. If you haven't heard, yeah. One bottle of Pantene. They got to work washing this orange horse down on Robert North's perfectly manicured lawn while all the neighbours <laughs> were walking past. Witnesses. Witnesses. Mouths open, eyebrows raised. Yep. None of them stopped to ask questions, though. Luckily, Turned out the dye hadn't set in the horse's hair. It had just sort of formed a coating on mm-hmm. each of the hairs, so they were able to rinse Percy back to his original colour. But that's not the same colour as that's fine right. cotton. They're just back to square one with a horse that looks nothing like fine cotton, but <laughs> at least it doesn't look like a pumpkin. Yes. It looks like a horse. <laughs> it's yes. not Ronald McDonald, at least. <laughs> so now they were running late. They had to get to the track. The plan was with just going to keep Percy covered in a blanket right up until the moment the race starts and then cover him up at the end and hope not many people (laughs) notice while he's in motion that he's the wrong colour. That's not a plan. That's not a plan. It's really not. not. (laughs) But they decided, okay, yep, all right, we'll go with that. But then someone said, ah, the socks though, the markings are the most important thing. Yes, fine. They were really the most distinctive thing about Fine cotton. You don't think the most distinctive thing is just that it's a different horse? Well. Because they are fast when they race, but they're not that fast. That's right. Like you can see it as it run past as it runs past you. That's very true. Yeah. <laughs> the socks though are the one thing that sort of could identify fine cotton as an individual. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. So the solution. So it was critical that they got those socks on and Gillespie decided. Please get- is it liquid paper? Is it white out? 1,000 bottles of liquid paper. No. Okay, it's keep not going. that, Lindsay. Do you want to have a guess at what it might be? My only thought was spray paint. Oh, spray paint. ding, ding, ding. Ah, not just any spray no. paint. High gloss white enamel <laughs> spray paint. Why high gloss? all they had in the garage. Go to Bunnings. <laughs> they didn't have time. And also, keep in mind, all of them are at least a dozen tinnies in. And Already? Yes. After the... Oh, my... Okay. These guys could drink for Australia. Now, the hissing of the spray can sounded very much like a snake. So, of course, that spooked the poor horse. He started dancing around, trying desperately to get away. He was terrified. And Gillespie, drunk off his nut, is sort of chasing him around, sloppily spraying at his Mm -hmm. ankles. Mm -hmm. Plus, Percy was still dripping wet, so the paint just wasn't sticking. It was just running down his legs. Oh, from washing him. Oh, no. So no surprise, the result was just woeful. So they decided instead to wrap Percy's ankles in white bandages to cover up the paint job, and hopefully that could then pass. But no, it won't. No, it won't. They just need one woman there to go, you guys can't do the Adele interview. Mm. This isn't going to work. Shut it down, No, it won't. Yeah, stop it now. Shut it down. Oh, my God. Now, they left for the racehorse Mm -hmm. with the two fine cottons in the float, the real one and the ring in. I'm sorry. They took them both? They took them both there. Why would you take evidence? 
sense. They thought that maybe at some point they'd need to do a switcheroo and then a switchback and a switcheroo and a switchback. I think they had in their head oh. this was going to be like some sort of parent trap situation <laughs> where the twins were going from room to room. No. Haitana was the one who was most adamant that they take fine cotton because he'd been advocating for a while that what they should just do is race the real fine yeah, cotton. Yeah, just cut your losses, put that one in the race. Oh, don't you don't have to worry about cutting your losses because he believed he had the special blend of caffeine and amphetamines that <gasps> would get fine no. cotton across the finish line in first place. I was going to say that mm. like five minutes ago. I was like, couldn't they just like shoot him up with cocaine or something and make fine cotton win on drugs. Mm. That's exactly what Haitana wanted to do because he had done it previously and oh, he had his own special recipe. Haitana. So just before they left, mm. he decided as his insurance policy to slip the real fine cotton, a bomb as he called it, which was one of his special tablets about the size of a bullet. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hold on. So... You said this is like the parent trap, mm. right? Which is easy because you can take a person and hide them under a bed mm. or in a cupboard or in a closet. You cannot hide a horse that easily, mm. right? You especially <laughs> cannot hide a horse easily if you've shot it up with amphetamines <laughs> and it's going out of its mind. Like, if you needed that horse to just sit quietly in the corner until you maybe in case needed it, mm. you want to give that horse a sedative mm. so it stays quiet. Yeah. Haitana yeah. was determined oh, that he Hi-tana. was going to end up convincing the others <laughs> in the team to just put the real fine cotton in the race because oh, no. he was really convinced that they were going to get caught if they put bold personality in the race instead. It would take a while for the bomb to take effect mm. and he thought it would kick in just as the race was about to start. So Haitana's like, we can't cheat this way, that's wrong. We've got to cheat this way. The ethical way. <laughs> yes, <laughs> okay. <laughs> So they got to the racetrack. They left the real fine cotton in the float, starting to mm. chew his face off mm-hmm. as the bomb kicked in. <coughs> Been there. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know. In my youth. In my youth. They took Percy to the starters area, still covering as much of him in a blanket oh as my they God. could. Very convincing. <laughs> The thing was, he wasn't required to go through a complete inspection like some of the other horses Mm. were expected to do because he'd raced just a couple of days previously. So the stewards were like, oh, fine, Cotton, yep, we saw him a couple of days ago and a couple of days before that and waved him through. Even still, all of the members of the team thought there was a pretty high chance they were going to get sprung. Uh, Yeah, because you got bandages on his ankles and covering him in a blanket and and he probably still has some raging red hair. And his previous owner is there in the audience (gasps) as well. Stop it! Plus, word had gotten out about the Ringan and a bizarrely huge number of people were placing really big bets on fine cotton. Oh, no. And for context, this was a very minor race day. This was not the Melbourne Cup or the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, I've been to these with Caleb. a regular Saturday. Yeah. And this is a low-class race. Yeah, I've been to these with Caleb. There's, like, not a crazy amount of people there. It's just people who, you know, racing families, people Mm. who really love their horse, people who are really devoted to the community. It's It's, their hobby. Yeah, it's it's their their thing. And there's no one else there but but people who are connected to one of the horses in some way. There's no random public there. It is literally horse people there. And that would be so they know their stuff. A normal Saturday. On this Saturday, there's like twenty times the number of people there because they've all, all heard. Put, yes. Oh, uh, <laughs> how are they? Bets. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> now, how the, is this not a movie? Oh, is it? We will oh, get to okay, that at the end. <laughs> yeah, attempts have been made, but have mm-hmm. been foiled. Yeah. Um, now the fact that there were all these people placing these bets mm. caused what's called a plunge. And that basically means with all the bets as they came in, Mm. they actually started to shift Fine Cotton's odds and started making him the favourite. So he started off at odds of 33 to 1. Mm -hmm. And then within a few hours, he was down to 20 to 1, 15 Mm. to 1. And then ultimately he ended up at 3 to 1. And this was the biggest plunge in racing history. (laughs) And do they not know this? Like they're there and they're like, wow. Normally this race has 100 people and there's mm. 4,000 people here and they're all betting on fine cotton. 
Maybe that means people know, and we shouldn't try this. Mm. Hayden Haitana is the only one that I'm aware of who was like, for God's sake, just put the real fine cotton in. Oh, yeah, but only if he's on drugs. (laughs) (laughs) No one in this story is thinking entirely straight. Correct. (laughs) Yes. Which is how this ends up becoming such an enormous mess. I'm dying. Yeah. It seems the only person in the entire place who was unaware of what was going on Mm. was the jockey who'd been allocated Mm. to ride fine cotton, quote unquote, an amateur, no, what's the word I'm looking for? Rookie? He was an apprentice Apprentice. jockey, 17 years old, didn't even know what a ring-in was, Mm. whereas all the other jockeys were completely aware and in on it and probably had all their bets placed. Oh, no. Meanwhile, the race just about to start, the real fine cotton out in the parking lot kicking the shit out of the float <laughs> he'd been left in off, off his face, face <laughs> on a mega dose of speed. Oh, no. And that was the only way he could sort of let all the energy out. So he basically destroyed the float, of course. Then the gun went off, the race started, mm. gates flew open, mm. all the horses took off full speed, <laughs> except for bold personality. <laughs> Because of everything he'd been through, the trauma he'd suffered for just a couple of seconds, he was too stunned to move. And it wasn't until the jockey started whipping him that his body flooded with adrenaline and he bolted off faster than he'd ever run before. And despite those near-death experiences and the trauma of the terrible makeover and despite the fact that they had also had him fit with the wrong type of horseshoe at the last minute out of desperation. So it'd be like us running in platform Doc Martens. Nailed into you. Yes. He overtook all of the other horses one by one, one after the other, until he was neck and neck with Harbour Gold, who had been the favourite initially. You say in spite of, but I think it's because of all the trauma he <laughs> went through. Using it as motivation. That made him run. Yeah, yeah. like he is traumatised and effed and he's in fight or flight and mm-hmm. he just went flight. Don't get me out of here. <gasps> so Harbour Float and Fine Cotton, bold mm. personality, side by side, neck and neck, on the home stretch and then at the very last millisecond, Fine Cotton took the lead and was declared the winner <gasps> in a photo it. finish Stop it. by a Whisker. By Whisker. And the crowd went absolutely wild. Yeah, because they all just won money. (laughs) Not all of them. So you've got some people who were, yes, cheering because they'd just won a massive windfall. Yeah. But then there were also the losers screaming out, you have got to be effing kidding. This is a ring-in. This is bullshit. Send someone down to inspect that horse immediately. (laughs) The roar was huge. That just made things more difficult for the real fine cotton out in the horse float. It was really starting to do the float and itself some damage, kicking about all over the place. Hey, man, I've been on a train on the way home from a club (laughs) at seven in the morning. And you destroyed it. And, yeah, I I know how he feels. (laughs) (laughs) The roar kept going and then a few minutes passed and an announcement came over the speakers saying to the bookies, hold all payments on that race until the officials can go and inspect the winning horse. Well, yeah, the bookies want to hold the payments because they're the ones who are Absolutely. Out. Oh, a lot yeah. of them would have been bankrupt. Yeah, they like, would have been, yeah. Absolutely screwed. A lot effed. of them would have lost their kneecaps and thumbs. Yeah, 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 yeah. 20 minutes later, they made another announcement on the speakers. Fine Cotton had been disqualified because it was identified as a ring-in, therefore Harbour Gold was declared the winner. <laughs> because of course it was because declared. Of course it was. It's over him. Mm-hmm. And there was still white paint apparently dripping down his and leg. probably red, <laughs> nice and easy dye. <laughs> like, how did they think? So the officials had some questions. Obviously, the yeah. jockey wasn't able to answer any of them. And by that time, Gillespie and Haitana and their team had all Hightailed? <gasps> yes. They and went out E5000. Now, this became the biggest news story of 1984. No one knew where the real uh, fine cotton was. No one (gasps) knew where Hayden Haitana was. And no one had any clue who else could be involved in this scam. But day by day, as the officials started investigating, Mm. details started to come out and there were some suggestions that maybe this scheme did go very, very high up. 
all the way to the tippy tippy top of Australian racing the with the, the Waterhouse family, <gasps> Bill and Robbie Waterhouse. They were implicated very early on and then what? later on it would turn out the Waterhouse family. Yeah, they ended up being banned from racing for life, which obviously ended up Didn't being overturned after a couple of decades. What? Yeah, they were banned what? from racing for life because they had prior knowledge about this ring-in, as did thousands of people Everyone. around yeah. Australia and also overseas. There were people <gasps> placing bets on fine cotton all around the South Pacific, Papua New Guinea, Fiji, Samoa, New Zealand. Yeah. It is crazy to me that they... That bold personality won, that Mm. they at least pulled off that part of the plan. Mm. Like, this story would be a little boring, like, if they finally got there and then it was like, oh, and bold personality just wasn't a fast runner. It's Mm. like, no, he won. He won. It was what they needed to happen, happened. (laughs) But then they, (laughs) yeah, despite everything, maybe the trauma was even the reason he Mm. won. But then they're like, oh, but. Take off the blanket, please. And the whole (laughs) plane fell apart. Remove the bandages. What's with the paint? Why is there spray paint on him? Yeah. And also keeping in mind that Bold Personality's previous owner handily there on premises and was able to go, um, that's purse. Oh my God. (laughs) And P.S. he'd received a check that of course had bounced. bounced. So he knew. So he had no money. And also Bold Personality was impounded, so he ended up losing the horse. How do you impound the horse? Well. He was evidence. <laughs> I don't Where? What does that mean? Well, the, horses ha- uh, sorry, just- the police have horse stables and we will get to that. Oh, I was going to say, is he just bit. like in a locker in H- <laughs> police HQ? Like how do you impound a horse? Get him in reception or the parking lot for a little while. Oh, no. Uh, okay, yeah, okay. Terry Packer was implicated that- in this as well. Like this is high up the chain what? this way. What? Now, when it comes to all of the the investigations, the aftermath, the fallout mm. of the ring-in, there's so much detail to go into. Mm. And honestly, the book that I read and the podcast series that I listened to, more than half of yeah. those are dedicated to all the fallout and who was implicated and blah, 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 just blah. Just the blah. gist, just the gist. In the days after the ring-in, Hayden Haitana's mugshot from an arrest a few years prior mm-hmm. was on every newspaper's front page and he was the star of every TV news bulletin and he was the topic of every conversation because his was the only known connection to Fine Cotton as the trainer. John Gillespie, as the owner, had used a fake alias when he'd registered the horse. Yeah, right. Haitana had vanished and thus become the most wanted crook in (gasps) the country. Everyone was talking about him. He was hiding out in a motel in Coffs Harbour, home of the Big Banana. (laughs) Big thing, big prawn, big banana. So much to be proud of. Love it. Uh, He was watching the coverage about himself and he was horrified Mm. at the way he was being portrayed and particularly hated the suggestion that he'd killed the real fine cotton because no one could find that horse. Oh, no, he just dosed him with drugs. (laughs) He would never mistreat an animal. How dare you say I mistreated him? (laughs) So he decided it was really important he take control of the narrative Mm -mm. and he called up Channel 9 and asked to please be put through to Miss Yarn Event. (laughs) (laughs) Of 60 Minutes fame. I remember Yana. He offered up an exclusive interview Mm. as long as they promised to keep his... Location a secret. Of course they agreed. This was ratings gold. <laughs> Keep my location a secret. They're like, we've got, what's his name? Hayden Haitana. We've got Haitana live from the big banana. <laughs> <laughs> when he agreed to meet them, yeah. he said, let's meet up in Randwick because, okay. of course, yeah. fitting mm-hmm. there's a race course there. They met him at a motel mm-hmm. and got everything set up to film this chat with Miss Yarn event. Mm. He arrived dressed in a very tidy beige three-piece suit, almost identical to the one my dad wore to yeah. his second wedding. Very 80s. He was very, very, very nervous about this. And so mm. to calm his nerves, he drank half a bottle of scotch. Oh, Tana, no, and no, no. And then he finished no. off that bottle of scotch. Oh, no, 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 then no. Then he another bottle of scotch. Oh, no, not a good idea, son. And he got behind the wheel of his car, Uh-oh. drove to the motel, oh. turned up fine. 
and the team from 60 Minutes poured him another scotch. Uh-oh. Another scotch. So, of course, he was just absolutely legless, slurring, sweating profusely, and also being really lechy towards yarn event. Oh, men always are. Mm. Is the footage of this available to watch? Snippets. Oh, okay, okay, okay. (laughs) I can't wait to watch it. And I'll post a specific link to the episode in the podcast series The Ring-In that Veronica Milsom hosted for Ah, the ABC. That is where I was able to find the most complete chunks of of the interview. He believed his life was in danger and Mm. kept claiming... I only followed this plot knowing that it was going to end disastrously because I thought I was going to be killed Yeah, I've got a wife and I've got kids and I didn't want to put them in danger either. Yeah, because it is, we do, this is all really funny and we're laughing about it, but like you said earlier, there are higher up people saying, mm. we will murder you yes. and your family. Mm. <laughs> so, so he's not... People are stuck. Lying Yeah. Here. Thing is, though, years and years later, he'd backflip on this and say, oh, I just made that up. I was bunging it on. Like, really? I thought maybe I'd get beaten about a little bit, but I really didn't think my life was in danger. So, it's sort of hard to know who to believe. This is juicy as F. Mm. If you're not aware, these were like the biggest names in racing, possibly in the world, the wa- certainly yeah. in Australia. The Waterhouses to racing in Australia are like what? The Kardashians are to reality TV. Mm. Like they are the racing family. So Gay Waterhouse is the most famous horse trainer Mm -hmm. in Australia. Robbie Waterhouse, her husband, is the most well-known and successful prolific bookie. All they could prove was that he definitely had prior knowledge of the ring-in, was accepting bets and was placing bets of his own. So as a result of this, Robbie Waterhouse, I think it was 18 years, he wasn't allowed to go anywhere near a racetrack. Now, according to Hayden, they only filmed for about 10 minutes before he passed out because mm-hmm. of all that scotch. Mm-hmm. And the 60 Minutes crew just left him there on the floor and he woke up three hours later. He'd soiled himself mm. in every way possible. I've done that once. Yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> You've in my book and my show. <laughs> one time, one time. Oh, and I'm responsible for that. Yeah. It's a really proud moment. Truly, Lindsay, it was the night that I woke up and I had shat myself while I was drunk. <laughs> was a night that I had spent with Jacob. <laughs> so you are truly the one to blame. That was you. Oh, my favourite badge of honour. Mm. So they got some footage. They got something. They got something. They only filmed for, like I said, about 10 minutes. They only used (laughs) about two minutes. That was enough. When the interview Mm. went to air, he became the most famous person in the country. Because everyone watched. Well, the fact that he implicated these, you know. Higher up people, yeah. And he said that his life was in danger. Everyone was obsessed with this story and just wanted to find out as many details as they could. That is, it really is kind of like saying, I mean, we don't really have like hierarchical kind of dynasty families in Australia. We have some, but not really. But that's Mm. kind of the level of like status and class Mm. that the Waterhouses are in this country. And not to get too much into the details, but because that was such a big deal, Channel 9 were very scared of Mm. going to air with that information. And so they bleeped him and they also cut away from his face so no one would be able to lip read him. But... The Queensland state government yeah. were able to get access to the original tapes because they had parliamentary privilege <laughs> mm-hmm. and so they got the unedited version mm. and they were able to then talk freely in parliament about the people who right. had been implicated. So anyway, Hayden Haitana, so famous it was going to be impossible for him to stay hidden for very yeah. long. He was getting recognised everywhere he went but he was kind of a folk hero for mm. a lot of people. Yeah. So no one was dobbing him in. Mm until a few weeks later someone decided that they were going to go and tell the cops. By that time he was down in South Australia. So he was extradited up to Queensland, he was tried, he was sent to prison and he was banned from racetracks for the rest of his life, which was pretty easy for him to just ignore, really, because after a few years passed, everyone had sort of forgotten who he was and what he looked like. When you go to, like, smaller race meets that I've been to with Caleb, like, there's no, like, you don't scan as you walk in. It's mm. literally a field <laughs> and you kind of trudge across it and then there's a chair and you sit in it yeah. and that's like... The, yeah, no one's no getting one's, fingerprinted. Yeah. yeah, they don't know. That's right. But how is it that he 
got such a punishment. But the Waterhouse dude, Robbie Waterhouse, he didn't go to jail? He didn't go to jail, but banned from racetracks for life. For life? For life. Bill and Robbie, both of them. Oh. It was 18 years before they were allowed to get back into the industry. Yeah, I was going to say, because you said 18 years. And so um, who is Robbie to gay? Husband. Her husband? Yeah, and Bill is Robbie's father. Yeah. What? Mm -hmm. I know. Gay was my nan's horse's trainer. My nan's worship gay. Yes, Gay has a best-selling autobiography. She's considered oh, no, a living Gay Waterhouse legend is in Australia. Tr- yeah, and truly. Her hands are clean, like as far as we know. I'm sure. So you are going to have to listen to the Ring In Veronica's podcast series because I can't there's a whole this. episode dedicated not just to Bill and Robbie, but to Robbie's estranged brother David, mm. who's written a tell-all. And then you'll probably want to go ahead and read David Waterhouse's book. Yeah. I wonder if Caleb knows this. Please report like, back. I would be, I can't believe he hasn't told me this. <laughs> I feel like it's something that he would prefer remained a blind spot. That's what I think too. And yeah. I'm going to go home and shove this in his face. <laughs> I'm really excited about it. So Haitana spent time in prison. The only other person who did was John the Phantom Gillespie. Phantom. Yes. How'd they catch him? Uh, he, number one, just couldn't help himself. He started selling merchandise. <laughs> Because <laughs> he just wanted desperately to cash in on all the attention. He's industrious. The fine cotton affair was getting, yes. Um, and then, yeah, he ended up getting dobbed in by someone along the way. Everyone yeah. started tattling yeah. on each other, of course. Uh, and then after he'd served his time, he kept popping up in headlines again and again over the next few decades because, of course, he kept running scams and he kept getting caught. Like When you say a few <laughs> decades, like, that's not, that's recently, like, because this happened in the 80s. That's right, So yeah. Throughout the 90s, throughout the noughties, throughout the 2010s. Stop it, like yeah. what? Oh, it was only, like, 15 years ago that he got caught selling fake passports to a country that didn't exist. (laughs) Was it Fredonia or was it? (laughs) The Dominion of Melchizedek. Milk. I'd believe that. That kind of sounds real. The Dominion of Melchizedek. A lot of people did, yes. He was selling citizenship to this country that just did not exist, which is... I mean, it's a real thing in the sense that people claim it exists. Like, there's a principality over in WA that people. Oh, this is those people who are like, we've made, we've claimed this. Mm -hmm. It's very sovereign citizen esque. Yeah. So, this particular one is an island off the coast of Colombia, which um, twice a day is completely underwater. Yeah, so he got caught out for that and he ran a bunch of different fake charity scams, mm. some of which were attached to the fine cotton brand, like come and get your photo taken with the real fine be- cotton to raise money for this kid who's got kidney disease, I mean liver disease, I mean, <laughs> oh, whoops, the kid doesn't actually exist, I'm come just pocketing and, the cash. Come yeah. and pay for a photo with the product of a very famous crime and we're going to give them money. <laughs> this is Australian culture, yeah, is it Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> now, of course, every time he was written about, the articles harked back to yeah. the fine cotton affair because that's how he got famous. Then, in 2010, he blew everyone's minds, kind of, when he claimed that he had actually fooled everyone for more than 26 years because he'd made off with more than $2 million in winnings from that fine cotton race by orchestrating what's called a double sting. A double sting. So he claimed that he designed the whole thing intentionally to be such a messy farce because he wanted to guarantee that it would be uncovered and the ring-in would be disqualified. And he, in the meantime, had put all his money on Harbour Gold, knowing that Harbour Gold would be declared the winner. Okay. And then he'd be able to cash in. Okay. <laughs> no, he didn't. I was so interested didn't. to see what he I knew you would I'm sorry, but mm. he didn't. He didn't. Yeah, he just tried to rewrite history and make <laughs> sure. it seem like he was a criminal mastermind. No, he was a He was an idiot. Drunk. And also, if he had done that and won that money, why did he need to continue doing these scams over, to make money over all this time? Right. But, like, what would be... The easiest is to just do the thing that you did was to make your one, but he, 
that's stupid. Yeah. Arkham's razor. Yes. <laughs> this is not the that's truth. That's not how it went, buddy. No. But it's not how it went. He made that claim that he'd scored two million, tucked it away, served his time in jail. When he was released, he took the cash and oh, off he and went, went and lived like a king and needed to do scrappy scams again. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. We don't know where he is. He's just sort Stop. of disappeared. I, we don't know if he's alive or dead. Hayden Haitana passed away a few years mm. ago. Um, but, yeah, Gillespie, don't have a clue. Fanto, get in touch. We'd love that. I bet he Googles himself, like, for sure. Oh, absolutely. So. Yeah, and Veronica said the same thing in her podcast. She yeah. was like, please, reach out, even if yes. you're telling us a lie. Just we just want to hear it. Uh, now. The final question that I want to answer for you. What happened to Fine Cotton? Yes, what happened? The last... Okay, so we left Fine Cotton in Hanging a off speed amphetamine-induced mm-hmm. crisis in the back of a tin can, yep. not unlike me going home from a club on the train mm-hmm. at 7am. Where did Fine Cotton go? They couldn't answer that question for <gasps> months and they were very serious about trying to find him. Like, they even exhumed recently buried horses to Mm. check. Wasn't buried, they couldn't find it anywhere. Almost three months passed after the ring-in and then the guy who was in charge of the stables for the Brisbane Mounted Police Mm. did a head count of the horses in his stable. Did they hide it in plain sight? They Uh had it in... I'm sorry. (laughs) He has a spare horse. I'm dying. I'm dying. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? This is like the bank robber hiding in the bank. (laughs) I'm going to let you finish, though. But (gasps) So Hayden Haitana, when he was like, okay, obviously I have to get out of here. This is being exposed. And according to him, actually, one of the cops who was there on the day came up to him and said, what the F are you still doing here? Yeah. (laughs) Out of here. Run, yeah. He couldn't just leave Fine Cotton behind, so Mm. he went and got the car with the horse float and went straight over to the paddock where they keep the police horses and just let him in there and he would have just run around and around and around yeah, until the he was speed, on speed yeah. wore off and then he just blended in with the herd. <laughs> and no one did a hand count. So he just became... A police horse. A police horse. <gasps> I don't know if they put him to use at any point, if they put saddles on him, whatever, but they were keeping him well-fed, well-watered and very oh, well nice. looked after. So they'd finally solved oh the mystery God. of where he was. Now it was a matter of, well, what are we going to it's do like, with him? The police have been looking for him for months. There's no sign. <laughs> it's an unsolvable mystery. And we are capable of what we do. <laughs> Neck minute. He's right there. Oh, <laughs> bold personalities not... looking out the window at I know, him like, like, you bastard. <laughs> Duck here impounded. Oh. oh, he's impounded. Oh, no. Bold personalities stuck in a locker <laughs> and fine cotton's out in the paddock. Living the life. Paddock. <gasps> part of a gang. Every yeah. part of this story is better than the last. So okay. Good. Anyway, they're like, okay, well... We're not going to keep him as a police horse. Let's sell him. And so the the guy who offered to buy him was a movie producer who wanted to make Fine Cotton Movie. movie. (gasps) Yes. He was determined and he spent years trying to get this project off the ground. Yeah. But because there were so many different accusations and risks of defamation, it Mm -hmm. just kept getting Mm -hmm. shut down. Oh, the waterhouses would shut you down. That goes all the way to the top. Yeah. If you want to delve into all of that, it is quite interesting Mm. and I would recommend the book I read was called The Fine Cotton Fiasco. Mm. Obviously, I listened to it. Mm. I will just say if you live in a country other than Australia, you will probably struggle with the slang because (laughs) even I struggled with a lot of the slang. Like it is really written in 1980s Queensland Larrican language. dialect, Yeah. yeah. The whole thing is almost like a Batuta advocate headline, (laughs) you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But very clever, very tongue-in-cheek and paints a picture very nicely. Um, I would say the best starting point is listening to The Ring-In. Veronica Milson. Hosted by Veronica Milson, done by the ABC. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll post a link to that, obviously. It's an eight-part series Mm. and, yeah, highly, highly enjoyable. And that's where, yeah, you can get into all Mm. the different people who were pulling the strings allegedly 
And allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. It's always allegedly. That's right. Um, yeah, so the movie, one day, maybe. We can only hope. Still hasn't happened. Still hasn't. But where's Fine Cotton now? Died. He died in 20, I think, 13, but yeah, a while ago. He oh. lived to a, a, a very good nice age. Nice old age. Yeah, 33, I think. Mm. Yeah. Um, good for a horse and lived a very, very comfortable life. That's lovely. Yeah. As did Bold Personality. Oh, yeah, what happened Bold Personality? <laughs> Ended up on Real Housewives. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a bold personality. <laughs> One thing you might have learned through Caleb about horse racing people, Mm -hmm. very superstitious. Yeah. And so even though Bold Personality had done nothing wrong, Bold Personality's owner had done nothing wrong, he was just sort of considered to be cursed. And so when they tried to get him back into racing, no one wanted to have... And no one wanted his sperm. No one wanted him to make racing babies. So So did it... But where did he go? Just to a nice life. Just out to pasture. They sent him... To the farm, <laughs> which means <coughs> dog food factory. Yeah. Um, and Dashing Salt Hair. Oh, yeah. Continued on with the racing career. Oh, yeah. and did well. Did well, yeah. I mean, you don't know his name, so nothing prolific. But... Unless, you know, he was racing and he tripped, so then they shot him. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you know how that happens. Yeah. yeah. That's a big part of why I'm not into this sport. Yeah, yeah. 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 Plus, you know, all this sort of caper. Can happen yeah. as well. So that was just the gist of the fine cotton affair. That was really good. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's so silly. That was deranged. So silly. That was just Bogan Oceans Eleven deranged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Isn't it delicious? I loved it. Yeah, and they say Australia doesn't have culture. <laughs> We've got culture, sweetie. Have you ever eaten a chico roll? I actually haven't. Of course you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> You've never eaten anything deep fried. Like, like that's what a stupid roll? question. I guess that is a big part of that we claim things that are not really ours. It's a chico it's a roll. Mm. Chico. Um Should we wrap it there? I loved that. Let's wrap it. I loved that so so much. Hooray. Yeah. Very good. I can't wait to hear what Caleb has to say about this. Yes, me too. And I will say one thing I've argued with Caleb about is when, because I met all these people at this racing dinner that he took me to who just spoke so beautifully about how much they love their animals and how they care for them like their children and all that kind of thing. And then I said to Caleb, so why do they shoot them then? Like mm. if they trip over and like break a bone or something, like if they love them like their children, mm. if your child tripped over and broke their leg... <laughs> would you bring a tent to the playground at recess and shoot them in the head? Or would you pay for them to fix the broken Mm. bone? I was like, if these people love these horses like their children, when they get injured like that, wouldn't they pay whatever it costs to fix them Mm. and then let them retire in a field with flowers and lots of hay and things they like to eat? Mm. That's what I don't quite understand. Did he give you an answer? Not really. Oh. That that was my question. Mm. I was like, I don't get that. I don't get that. Pretty sure the answer would be money. Money. Mm. I think it's money. Money. I think it's money, 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 money. They say, no, it would be too painful for them to live. We cannot fix it. And I'm like, "Mm, you can though. Mm. If you're rich enough to own a racehorse, you can pay for a vet bill. Mm. Couldn't agree more. Right? Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. Anywho. Anywho. Bye. <laughs> Love you. Bye. <laughs> uh, tune in for breaking news on Thursday. <laughs> Jacob. Rosie. So next week's episode, when I told you mm. just the gist of what I was giving you just the gist of, I don't mm. think I've ever heard you scream and scream <laughs> and squeal <laughs> and scream like I have. It's a doozy. Let's not give it away, but let's just say when Jacob reacts like that, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Get on board next week. And like he was a good king or as far as kings go? You know, Jacob, this is just the gist and I was focused on the butt. So I didn't really go into like all of the politics or the wars or whatever. Economics. Don't know. Pish posh. Mm Mm-hmm. 
listener.